Christmas morning is filled with kids waking their entire family up early to open gifts. All over the world, there is joy and excitement as they realize they got the toy they wanted and they run in to eat breakfast with their family. Christmas is a time where family will spend hours together, not where family is murdered together. Welcome to episode four of Christmas in Crime. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and it's great to talk to everybody again. How have you been? How's your week been? You guys, Christmas is right around the corner. I hope you have all of your presents ready, maybe wrapped. I don't. Um, I have them all ready, bought and everything. I actually buy Christmas through the year so that I don't have to worry about it. So my like Christmas cupboard, because I have a cupboard that I hide it all in, it has been chock full since like January because I also buy for the next year too. So if something goes on sale and I'm like, oh, my niece would love this, I'll buy it for Christmas next year um, because I shop sales. So I've had my whole Christmas bought since like October, which is so nice, but I have none of it wrapped. <laughs> so I'm slacking on that aspect of things. Um, I probably should get on it and I'm probably not going to. I'm going to be honest with you guys, me and my husband will probably stay up super late on Christmas Eve wrapping all the presents. But you know, memories. So anyways, nothing new in my life. Um, We've talked every day this week. So yeah, I also wanted to give you guys a heads up. I have everything written now except for my Christmas episode. That one is probably going to be a long episode, which is good and bad because I normally get no listeners on Christmas, which is totally understandable. I mean, Christmas is a time of family and unless you're traveling far, you don't want to turn on something to listen to. Um, so we're going to post a long episode on Christmas as like a Christmas present type of thing, but I'm probably not going to get any listens until the next day, which is totally all right. As of right now, I have about five pages, five, six pages of um, information, my normal, you know, amount that I have for short episodes, we've talked about it before is, you know, usually three, um, between three and four pages. So if I split it up into a series, I will normally split it, you know, in half. I won't be doing that with this one. So as of right now, we're probably looking at more of a 35, 40 minute episode, and I'm not even all the way done with all of my research and my writing. And it, so it's entirely possible it's going to be longer. I'm not sure because I haven't finished, but yeah, I have everything else written and ready for seven days of Christmas and crime besides my Christmas upload. So you guys for sure have me every day for six days, but I am pretty positive that I'm going to be able to get it done for you guys, but I'll let you know as soon as I do. So we have a for sure. Um, but yeah, besides that, everything is the same. Everything's normal. So let's go ahead and talk about the Lawson family murders. I thought about saving this one until the sixth day. Um, if you kind of notice, things have started to build on Christmas and crime. So we started off really light and things have gotten more and more and more heavy. Um, 
but I just really like this one, enough that I wanted to do it now. I had never heard of this case before I looked up, you know, Christmas murders and stuff like that, and I really, really like it. So let's start where all family starts, with the parents, Charles and Fanny. Charles Lawson would meet Fanny Maring? Manring? I'm not sure how to say her last name. Either way, he would meet her in 1911. Together, they would start a beautiful family of 10, you guys. Then in 1918, seven years after they started their family, Charles's younger brother would move away. Charles decided basically as soon as his brother moved away that he wanted to follow his family, but they couldn't afford to do it at the time. He would begin to save and look for work and homes that would pay him more so that he could move and live near his brother. He would end up getting a job as a tobacco farmer, which would pay him more than his other job, and they would save every extra dime that they could. During the time that they were saving and prepping to move with or to his younger brother, one of their children would end up passing away in 1920 from some sort of illness. And then finally, they had enough money to move to be near their younger brother. In 1927, the family would pack up and move. Things were going great there. They were so happy they did it and they were close to family. One day while they were there, there was an incident though that was specifically noted. Charles was out with what it sounded like his family and his brother and they were chopping logs. A lot of these logs were rotten logs that they were trying to get cleaned up off of the property. Now, Charles would accidentally swing his axe too hard and this would end up smacking him in the forehead very, very hard. He would sustain some sort of head wound from this but it seemed like he would heal from it. From this point forwards though, Charles had kind of a change in personality. He became a lot more sporadic. Um, he was a lot more snappy than he used to be and nobody really knew what to expect from Charles. One minute he would be very, very happy and the next he would be snapping at you and yelling at you. Now, because this was such an old case, we are not entirely sure on if Charles did actually get a brain injury, but it is very possible that he gave himself a frontal lobe injury. Now, depending on what part of a person's brain gets injured depends on what can be altered afterwards. The frontal lobe in particular will give somebody their personality and control their impulsive behaviors. If the frontal lobe gets damaged, it sort of takes the brakes out of a car for self-control, basically. That's the best way to put it. A person may not be able to control their aggression or their anger. Um, they might begin to make inappropriate comments or jokes, not really realizing how inappropriate they are. And these can happen to friends, family, strangers. And then even sometimes the opposite can happen of that instead of being you know, aggressive and not knowing what this person's gonna say, they can become emotionless and sort of just not there anymore. I will also say that there is some studies, you know, with other serial killers that 
a lot of them have a significant time in their life where they did end up getting a frontal lobe brain injury, and a lot of people believe this is what causes them to become serial killers because they cannot control that aggression and the impulsive actions and things like that. So we are not sure if Charles got a frontal lobe brain injury, but if he did, it's likely that is why he became angry and snappy and sporadic. But the family did live pretty happy. Um, besides the occasional acting out from Charles after this accident, they would live pretty happy until about 1929. Now, the family was technically considered a working-class rural family, so it raised some eyes when they started to act really weird. On top of that, some rumors also began to start. A lot of people believed that Charles began to have sex with his older daughter, who was 17 years old. These rumors would take a turn for the worst, and people would begin to talk about how his daughter had fallen pregnant with his child. Now, these are rumors and have never been officially confirmed. But let's go back to these weird behaviors. The family, you know, saved their money like normal family did, splurged every once in a while, but then suddenly, on Christmas Eve of 1929, Charles would come home from working, take his wife, Fanny, and their seven live children into town. These children's names were Mari, who was 17 years old. She is the one who was part of that rumor that Charles was sleeping with. Arthur, who was 16 years old. Carrie, who was 12 years old. Maybell, who was 7 years old. James, who was 4 years old. Raymond, who was two years old, and their youngest daughter, Mary Lou, who was only four months old. He told them that they were going into town and they were going to have basically a huge spending spree. They would go on to more than just splurge and spend an absolute large amount of money on nice clothing and things that they wanted. He then told them that he wanted them to change into their brand new nice clothing because they were going into town to get their photo taken. Photos were also expensive at this time period, and since they were working class and known by the town, this raised a lot of eyebrows. They spent a ton of money that they probably didn't have, and they were spending money on photos, and nobody really understood why. Um, now that we know what happened, I have my own theories on to why something this happened, but at the time, it was just very, very strange. And I know what you're probably thinking. The family. What was the family thinking in all of this? The family was under the impression that their dad was just taking them out to buy clothes and pictures because Christmas was coming. They happily agreed to this. Their dad, Charles, knew money, what they had, what they didn't have, paid for everything, so they just trusted him. And they would go home after getting their photo taken go to bed that night, and wake up the next morning on one of the happiest days of the year, Christmas. On December 25th of 1929, Mari, that 17-year-old, would get up early enough because for the longest time, she had been making her famous dessert to celebrate Christmas. This dessert was a two-tiered cake that had raisins on the top of it. She got up early enough so that it would be cooled and decorated by the time they all celebrated Christmas, so she would begin to make this cake. 
Mari would get basically done with this cake. She would be pulling it out of the oven to cool, getting ready to frost it and top it with raisins, when her mother would head out to the porch and begin to peel potatoes. They were going to have their Christmas feast that night, and they needed to get potatoes ready for it. Charles and one of his son had left super, super early before everybody else, actually, because they wanted to get some hunting done that day. Partially through this hunting trip, Charles would turn to his son Arthur and tell him they were out of ammunition. He would hand Arthur some money and say, go into town, get some ammunition, and then come home. The rest of the children were playing and getting ready for Christmas when two of his children asked their mother if they could walk down and see their aunt and uncle for Christmas while everybody else prepped things. Their mother agreed and they would start to head out. Now, if we go back to Charles, he had been waiting a minute after Arthur was gone to go get ammunition and decided to walk home himself. When Charles hit the tobacco barn on their land, he would sort of loiter next to it for a minute, thinking. This is the point that the two daughters that were going to see their aunt and uncle, Carrie and Maybelle, would come chatting and walking by the tobacco farm. They knew that their father was out hunting, so they did not expect to see him by the tobacco barn. And because of this, they were blindsided when he pointed his gun at them and shot both of them. Charles was not out of ammunition. Once both of his children were on the ground, he would make sure they were dead by turning his gun around and beating them with the hilt of his gun. When he was positive there was no way they could have survived it, he would drag their bodies into the tobacco barn. Once they were in the tobacco barn, he would line them both up nicely next to each other, find a good-sized rock for both of them, and rest it under their heads like an earth pillow. He then grabbed their arms that were still warm and crossed their hands and arms over their bodies. This gunshot was hurt, both of them, but the family back at the house knew that their father and son were out hunting, so they were under the impression that the two children were out seeing their aunt and uncle, not that they had been shot. So nobody fled the house. The mother continued to peel her potatoes on the porch. Mari continued to decorate her cake. The other young children proceeded to run around the house and play together. And then when Charles was ready, he left the tobacco barn and he began to finish his walk home. Fanny was still sitting on the porch, focusing on peeling potatoes, when she would look up to see her husband, Charles, walking back home without Arthur. Before she could ask him anything or say anything, Charles would pull the gun on her and shoot her down on the porch. Almost as quickly as he had shot her down, he would throw the front door open and look at his eldest, who was hysterically crying, sitting next to her nearly done cake. Then he pulled the gun on her as well, killing her and splatting her blood all over her cake. Charles knew the two other boys were in the house, James and Raymond. James, who was only four years old, and Raymond, who was only two, would run and hide in their house in a panic from their father. But if you've ever played hide-and-seek with a four-year-old, their hiding spots are not very good. Charles easily tracked them both down and shot both of them. Once he was done, 
All he could hear was the ringing gun and their youngest child. Charles would go to her side and look at four-month-old Mary Lou. Instead of shooting this tiny body, he turned the gun over and began to beat her to death with the gun. In a lot of my sources, I read that this was the more humane thing to do with this baby, but I don't know if I agree. Because a gunshot would have wrecked this baby, but she would have died immediately. Whereas being hit with a gun over and over and over again, who knows how long she was alive before her little body finally gave out. Then the house was silent. Everybody except Charles was dead, and Arthur, who was still in town. Charles took his time, dragging the bodies into one room together, taking Fanny off of the porch, taking his eldest out of the kitchen, and the kids out of their hiding place. He lined their bodies up next to each other, and then hunted for a pillow for each of their heads. He lifted their heads up and gently laid them back down on a pillow like he cared for them. Then he took their still warm arms, just like his other two daughters, and crossed them over their bodies, saying his last goodbye. At this point, it is very likely that he wrote letters to his parents. These were found later, but it is also possible that he had already had these letters written. Either way, after he was done, he fled into the woods. It was only a matter of time before somebody discovered the gruesome scene. I say somebody because whoever found him is unclear. A lot of my sources say it was his son, but some of my sources say it was other family members. I believe more likely it was his son because his son was charged with the task of going and getting ammo and coming back, but it's possible it wasn't. I am unsure, and everybody that's looked at this case is unsure if Charles intended on murdering Arthur as well, or if for some reason he decided to spare his son. He never showed any particular favoritism to any of his children. He treated them all the same all the time. So it's not like Arthur was his favorite son and that's why he didn't want to murder him. Almost just like maybe he didn't intend on murdering his family that day. But I don't know. Regardless, it sounds like his son returned to the spot with the ammo. But his father was not there. Because he couldn't find his father, he decided he probably headed home while he waited and he would also head home. And that's when he discovered his family. The porch covered in blood and his family lined up all next to each other. It sounds like Arthur would run into town at this point and find somebody to help him. That's when everybody arrived on scene. The very last thing that was heard was one last gunshot. This was Charles shooting himself in the head. They followed the sound of the gunshot and they found his body, dead in the forest. They would find the notes that we talked about earlier written out to his parents 
and one that said, blame nobody but I. They also discovered footprints. It looked as though Charles was obsessively pacing around a tree before shooting himself in the head, almost like he was debating his next move. Or maybe he was waiting. Maybe he was waiting for Arthur to come back with ammo and find him in the forest. But we don't know. We don't know what he was pacing about. All we knew was that the entire family was dead, and so was Charles. All that was left was Arthur. Of course, theories started. With theories also came people. From all over, the story spread like wildfire. People that heard about it would attend the funerals. On top of that, they began to walk through the home and the forest that the murders happened at. Eventually, they turned it into a museum. People would find the spot that Charles had killed himself. And then people decided that they wanted to take a souvenir. At first, they began to pluck raisins off of the cake that was made and pocket them. Then they peeled pieces of the bark from the tree that Charles had paced around and took them home. Once there was nothing left of the bark, they began to take pieces of the brick off of the fireplace. Anything that they could to take them home to remember this horror. It did seem like this was a pretty open and shut case. The majority of people, even to this day, blame that head injury that we talked about. They believe this caused Charles to descend into insanity and that he murdered everybody the day that he snapped. But it wasn't until 1990 when somebody published a book claiming to have a reputable source tell them that they knew Charles had gotten his eldest daughter pregnant. Before I move into that theory, though, I wanted to let you know Other people and scientists and everybody else who has looked at this case and really deep dived have never been able to find any sort of proof that a head injury took place. Now, this was before there was any record of doctors or doctor's visits. They didn't have anything in the newspaper or anything like that. So we couldn't and still can't confirm if Charles actually got a head injury that day or if maybe that never even happened. Now the second theory. It sounds as though Charles and Mari were in a relationship. It was incest, or he was raping Mari, and it was unconsensual. Either way, the theory goes that Fanny had begun to suspect that something was happening between the two of them, She had actually brought up her concerns to her aunts and uncles about it. But she also told them that she had no proof that anything was happening, and it was just like a gut feeling, so she couldn't really do anything about it. And then Mari fell pregnant. Mari then turned and confided into her friends, telling them that she was pregnant and telling them that it was her father's child. She also told her friends that her father said that if she told anybody what was going on, that there would be some killings. But I don't have anything to confirm these allegations. I have one source that states this. So who knows if this is actually fact or another theory. 
Either way, she was pregnant. She told somebody, and then the rumors started, and it came back to Charles that everybody knew that she was pregnant with his child. He was angry at Mari, and he began to plot his revenge, because remember, he told her there would be some killings. But really, you guys, we are unsure as to why he did it. In my opinion, I do believe this was premeditated. Whether that was because he got his daughter pregnant, or he had a brain injury, or for some other reason that we don't even know. I strictly believe this was premeditated because he had taken them out on that shopping spree. And he went and took a photo with them. He probably couldn't afford that shopping spree. It was probably money that was for bills or food or something else that he blew because he knew they weren't going to need it because they were all going to die. The photo was so other families, the aunts and uncles, and possibly anybody who wanted it would have a photo of the entire family together before they all got murdered. I do believe that he also intended to kill everybody, including Arthur. I, I can see how he could have murdered his son while they were hunting, but I feel like maybe he had cold feet. Maybe he wasn't sure if he could do it or not. When he decided he could, he probably realized that he was low on ammo and that if he missed a shot at all, somebody would still be alive. That's why he sent Arthur to get more, so that he wouldn't run out while he shot and murdered his family. Then he walked back thinking about it, and when his two daughters were next to the tobacco farm, he took the chance and shot them both. I also feel like him bludgeoning the baby instead of shooting it was to save ammo. He probably had two shots left, one for Arthur and one for himself, and he knew that if he wasted it on the baby, who was basically helpless, couldn't move, couldn't get away, he was not going to be able to kill Arthur because Arthur was not going to hand the ammo over to him and let him shoot him with the ammo. Does that make sense? And I believe he was out waiting in the woods for Arthur to come and find him. So he would shoot Arthur and then shoot himself. He was pacing around that tree while he waited, probably stressed because he just murdered his entire family. And when he heard the commotion of other people coming on the property, because Arthur had went home instead of looking for his father in the woods, he decided the best option was to kill himself and just to leave Arthur. That is what I personally believe. If you believe that, you know, he was mad because Mari got pregnant and told somebody, then great. That's okay. It's okay to have different opinions. And I might be completely and totally wrong. That's just what it sounds like was most likely to happen. Either way, almost an entire family was taken out on Christmas one day, leaving not only a heart-wrecking Christmas story to haunt people, but one singular little boy to live with the fact that knowing his entire family was murdered by the one man that was supposed to be taking care of them. Charles would shoot and beat his family place a pillow under their dead bodies like he still loved them, taking them out in a mixture of hatred and love.
There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.